Church family, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'll invite you to turn to Acts 16. Uh, Tyler's going to come here in just a second. Let me give you a little background to Tyler. One of my passions, my deep, deep passions, is 1 Timothy 2, verse 2, uh, committing the word to faithful men that will be able to teach others also. And that's been a defining mark of my ministry that I've always tried to do, always tried to do whatever church I've served at, to give opportunity to guys, whether younger or older than me, to preach God's word, because I believe I have a duty as a pastor to multiply myself. Um, What good is it if I leave here today, get hit by a bus, and I haven't replaced myself with five other men who can do the exact same thing that I can do, and that's preach preach the scriptures faithfully. And I hope you've seen that recently with things that we've done with guys like John Drown, uh, Seth Murphy, Pastor Joe preaching on a more regular basis, some other men in our church that over these next couple months you're going to get to hear from as they preach the scriptures as well. And so today you get to hear from my friend Tyler Evans. He serves as the student pastor of Urban Crest Church down in Lebanon, Ohio. Urban Crest has been one of our partner churches the last four years, ever since we started Living Hope Columbus. Uh, He's been a friend of mine since even before that. And what most people might not know, some of you remember, um, Tyler was actually one of, him and his wife Sarah, were one of the first original three couples on our launch team when we met in my living room originally. And so they were there a couple of weeks, and I always joke, if you've heard me share before, we started with six, we moved down to four. It's because they left and moved to Bell Fountain. Um, And now they're serving down in Lebanon as student pastor, and we just are so blessed by them, so encouraged by them, Um, and I'm looking forward to you hearing from Tyler today as he preaches from Acts 16, the message that he's calling thankful. And so Tyler, as you come, I'm going to pray for you, and then buddy, let her rip, all right? Let's pray. God, thank you so much again for your word for this day. I've got to pray now as, as my friend Tyler brings the message this morning. God, would you speak through him in a powerful way, Lord? I pray that you give him a courage, a boldness, and a confidence to point us to Jesus this morning, because what hope do we have outside of Jesus? And God, I pray that you give us open ears to hear from you this morning. God, would you give us soft hearts, not just to hear your word, but to receive your word? And God, as James writes, God, would you give us willing and obedient hands and feet, not just to be hearers of the word? What good is that? But that we would be doers as well. So God, speak to us. It's in the name of Jesus. We pray these things. Amen. Uh, Good morning, church. How are we doing? Doing well? Good. As Aaron said, my name is Tyler. I'm glad to be here today. It's hard to believe that it was seven years ago that my wife and I, we left a church in Columbus, uh, not this one, that we were largely unconnected with, and I was confused about my call into ministry. And uh, we felt further from God than we've ever felt before. We were just in a dark season. And uh, we were looking for a church to connect to and to disciple us, and we were looking for hope. And we found that at Living Hope Church in Marysville in the spring of 2015, seven years ago. Uh, I actually attended that first service by myself. My wife was a little reluctant because we came from a very traditional Baptist church. It was King James or nothing. And it was, uh, Living Hope to her was a little bit more modern, so she was just a little nervous. And so what she was nervous about was they didn't use hymns, and their youth pastor wore skinny jeans. So we were just a little nervous. (laughs) But I mean, we fell in love with Living Hope. It was exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it. And we look back on that now, and that was God's sovereignty as he directed us there. And he brought us to a life-changing intern program that we're forever grateful for. Uh, Living Hope has always shared a special place in my heart, and I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Uh, Looking back, I'll never forget the first time I met Aaron. Our third visit at Living Hope, we were going through a series called Hashtag Never the Same, and how when you meet Jesus after, you're, you're never the same. And Aaron is actually the speaker our third weekend, and he did a great job as usual. My wife and I were talking about that on our way home. 
But two days later, my wife was pregnant at the time. She, she told me to go get some snacks at the store. And when your pregnant wife tells you, go get some snacks, you go get them, right? And so I was walking through Walmart. And, you know, so I love Walmart. And so I'm walking through Walmart. And I see this dude carrying two gallons of chocolate milk walking towards me. And it was Aaron Taylor, right? And so that dude loves his chocolate milk, in case you didn't know. But as he was walking towards me, I was pretty sure it was him. Like, I wasn't 100% sure. Like, I never talked to him. But I just stared at him for like 30 minutes, two days prior. And so what I did was I started to smile to be friendly. But then, like, in my head, I'm like, wait, that might not be him. So I started, like, not smiling. But I was already committed to smiling. And so <laughs> the end result was this super awkward, like, smile kind of like this. And then... <laughs> And I knew it was awkward because the smile wasn't returned by Aaron. Um, he looked at me like this and walked quickly past me with his large quantities of milk. And so I laughed my way to the checkout aisle at Walmart. <laughs> and so I called my wife and she's like, Tyler, he doesn't know you. Like, you know him, but he doesn't know you. So that following Sunday, I introduced myself to Aaron and, and I told him who I was. And I said, hey, it was me, that weird dude who smiled at you at Walmart. That was me. And I kid you not, his response was, that was you? Dude, I thought you were checking me out or something. <laughs> Man, I, I never would have guessed that, that interaction would have turned into an internship and then a lifelong friendship. Um, and Aaron is one of my heroes. I mean that. I aspire to be as much like him as possible. And I'm honored to be at his altar, at this pulpit today, preaching. And living hope has always meant a great deal to me. It shaped who I am today. I would not be where I'm at without living hope. You guys are doing great things. And so I don't know about you, I'm kind of Southern in my Southern Baptist. I like to shout and get a little excited. I try not to kick anything off the stage. Uh, but I can't hold this message anymore inside of me. So I'm going to unpack this. You guys ready to dive in? Let's get at it. So I don't know about you guys, but I feel a lot of negative energy in the world we live in today. Do you guys feel it? I mean, you get on the news, a quick 30 seconds on the news, you feel it. Like the hate and the anger in the world. You get on Facebook, it's like 10 seconds and you see it there. You get on YouTube, you scroll to the comment section, you'll see lots of hate. That's a dangerous place to be in the YouTube comments. Even on Christian forums online, you get on there and you see a bunch of hate. You see a bunch of angry people. What I have seen is that this world is so stinking negative. You guys ever noticed that before? And what I realize is that the world is full of broken people who live in a broken world. Like, no wonder everyone's so cranky. But what I have seen and I've felt the past two years is that this pandemic and the economic mess we find ourselves in has brought about the worst of people. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that, both in and out of church. And if I'm being honest with you, even as a, you know, a strong person, we can fight negative thoughts of our own. It may be fighting depression or anger or sadness or whatever, because it's a difficult time to be alive. You guys felt that? It's been a rough couple years. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can be thankful. I want to talk about the series on thankfulness, how we can express gratefulness even when things aren't so great. So as we dive in, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Um, God, I'm grateful that we can gather here today. God, if we have no other reason to express our gratefulness than that we can open up your word, God, we're grateful. And may we never read this with a calloused heart. This isn't some self-help book. This is God's word. Someone's going to open this book for the first time today, and they're going to be changed forever by the words found in this book. They're going to go from sinner to saint, from dead to alive, from hell-bound to heaven-bound, because of the words found in this book. God, may we read this with the proper stance before you, Lord. In mighty name we pray. Amen. 
So what I found is we all have difficult seasons in our life, right? We all have difficult seasons and maybe seasons where it may be increasingly difficult for us to express our gratefulness. So I've had three seasons of my life where I can look back on where I wasn't really grateful because honestly, things weren't really great. When I was in high school, I lost my grandpa, my grandpa, and my grandma, and my uncle in the span of about four months. And my dad, who was my pastor, I saw him break down in the car when it was just him and I. He didn't cry in front of my sisters or my mom, but he broke down in front of me. And he told me, I feel like God has betrayed me. See, in moments like that, you don't feel specifically grateful. There was a season where my mom and dad were on the brink of divorce because my mom was an alcoholic. And she kept turning back to alcohol again and again. And my dad was at his wit's end. And she ended up in the ICU for weeks. And the doctors told us, we're not sure if she's going to make it. And then when she got out of the hospital, my parents were separated for a little while. And we had to attend Alcoholics Anonymous as a family. See, seasons like that, you don't feel specifically grateful. There's a season I was in college where I hit a deer with my car because I live in Ohio, and that happens. I had to step out of college, and I lost my job in about a month time frame. In seasons like that, I didn't feel specifically thankful. But we all have seasons like that. So all I want to remind you is that every year we have problems. Every single year. It may not be COVID. It may not be the economy. It may not be Biden. But I promise you, each day has its own worries and problems. They just change names and circumstances. In fact, the Bible tells us this in Matthew 6, 34. It says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. What's the Bible telling us? That things are going to break. Events are going to get canceled. Teams are going to lose, especially if you're a Browns fan. Jobs are going to get lost. Kids will move. Loved ones will pass away every single year. Year after year, grief is going to come into our life, and grief is going to go, and every day will have its own troubles. One thing that we need to remember is this. Despite all of this, is that gratefulness is a choice. Our gratefulness is a choice. Our gratefulness is an action. It's not a reaction. It's an action. Gratitude doesn't just happen. It's a mindset we choose, and the Bible tells us you must choose gratefulness. The Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 24, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So the Bible calls us to action in this verse by saying, Let us, let us rejoice. Gratitude is a choice, and it's a command by God to choose gratefulness. So Christians, be thankful for today. Be thankful for yesterday. Be thankful for tomorrow, because these days are a gift from God. Wherever life has you, if you're in a valley, be grateful. If you're on a mountain, be grateful. If you're drowning in seas of sorrow, be grateful. If you're running through fields of joy, be grateful, because today is a gift from God. But I want to remind you, because it's easy to read verses like that when you're in a dark season and be like, I don't want to fake it, right? It goes deeper than just choosing to be thankful. The Bible doesn't tell us to put on a smile, a fake smile, to go through the motions. The Bible doesn't call us to surface-level external actions that aren't derived from the core of our heart. In fact, Jesus came and he preached about the heart of the matter often. Jesus was all about the heart of the matter. Jesus wants us to be truly thankful every single day. So that brings me to the question we're going to tackle this morning, is how can we choose to be thankful as the Lord commands if our circumstances in our life are preventing us? I'm feeling thankful. How do we do it? 
So we're going to be in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. It says this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So as I shared with you, I had some seasons in my life that were difficult, but not once have I been in a position that Paul and Silas have found themselves in. I've never been chased by a mob, arrested, beaten with rods. That's plural, meaning multiple people were beating them with rods and then thrown into an innermost prison with my feet clamped in stocks. That never happened to me. It's because they never caught me. No, I was but Paul and Silas, what did they do that deserved, what warranted this response? So they were just traveling Roman colonies, preaching Jesus and baptizing people who believed. And now as a result, because they did that, they're sitting in prison, their feet chained under heavy guard after being, as the Bible clearly puts it, being severely beaten. So how did Paul and Silas respond to this? Like talk about showing gratefulness when things aren't so great. They were in a situation that wasn't really great. How did they respond? Did they shout to God, this isn't fair? Like, I'm being faithful to the word you gave me, going where you sent me to go, and this is your response to that? Where's your faithfulness, God? I'm being faithful, and now I'm in prison? Did they gossip to the other inmates around them? Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. How dare they throw me in here? Did they lead a rebellion to break free? Did they sulk in a corner and say, God, I'm done with you? If this is what you're going to do for me, I'm done. No, the Bible doesn't say that. It says that they were praying and singing songs to God. What we see is that they were doing it at midnight. Listen, I love Jesus, but if you walk into my room and start singing at midnight, I'm going to kick you out of my room. <laughs> when I read this, I'm convicted. I'm convicted. There's been numerous times where I wake up on a Sunday morning with a lot on my head, a lot on my shoulders, a lot in my heart, and we come in and I stand in my pew. I don't stand on my pew, but by my pew, and we're singing our thankfulness to God. What I find is though my lips are moving, my heart isn't. I'm stiff-arming the Lord and the Holy Spirit because i got a lot going on. And I read passages like this. How convicting is that? But we've all been there. I'm sure you've walked in this room and felt a similar way. But what do we see Paul and Silas doing? The Bible says that Paul and Silas were having a party in prison. They were having a party in prison. They were worshiping when others were worrying, and they were praying when others were panicking. See, Paul and Silas didn't let their circumstances dictate their praise. Paul and Silas praised God despite their circumstances. I want to say that again. Paul and Silas didn't let their circumstances dictate their praise. Paul and Silas praised God despite their circumstances. That's because their thankfulness was an action, not a reaction. That's the type of thankfulness that I want, don't you? That's the type of thankfulness that God calls us to. Let's keep reading as we pick up in verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to them, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here. See, in the midst of their party in prison... The prison doors blew open and the shackles burst from the walls. And I want to worship set like that, amen? 
That'd be pretty awesome. Blow some doors off the church, knock some chairs over. If I want to be honest, though, as a fellow Southern Baptist, I don't think we could handle it. Right? We put our hands in the air, people start panicking. <laughs> but one thing I want to emphasize is the reaction of the jailer. The jailer was sleeping on the job. He's probably an intern. <laughs> he was awoken by a supernatural, God-sent earthquake, and to his horror, all these prisoners are now free. Assuming they ran off, because who wouldn't? And he was going to be responsible. The Bible says that he drew his sword to kill himself. In the blink of an eye, how quickly did this guard's life change? So one moment he was peacefully resting, and now the next moment he's about to rest in peace. How quickly did his life change? But how much can we relate to that? Like in a single day, our life changes forever in a moment. Maybe you go to work and you clock in and your boss comes into your office and they tell you, hey, we're downsizing the company. You don't have a job anymore. Maybe you're on your way to work and you get in a car accident and you have life-altering injuries. Maybe your kids call you and they tell you, hey, we took a job out of state. We're going to be moving and we're bringing the grandbabies with us. Maybe your spouse calls you and tells you that they, they want out of the marriage and they're not happy. Maybe the, the biopsy your doctor took just an abundance of caution came back and you have cancer. Maybe a loved one passes away. See, in a moment's notice, life shifts from tranquil to tragic. This guard is now staring down his darkest day, and he decides to end his life. See, unlike Paul and Silas, this guard chose to react to his circumstances rather than acting despite his circumstances. And this is where many of us live. Like when things look bleak, when there's no way out, when there's no hope, we react to our circumstances. And unfortunately, that's where many of us derive our thankfulness and our worship. Like Aaron shared this morning, our worship is like a thermometer. It's dependent on the conditions around us. But God doesn't call us to react to the world around us. He wants us to impact the world around us. He doesn't want us to be a thermometer that reacts to its environment. He wants us to be a thermostat that changes the environment around us. You know, I think many of us are guilty, just like this jailer, of being fair-weather Christ followers. I know I can be. We thank God only when the weather's fair. We express thanks only when our careers are going well, when our relatives are healthy, when we win our games, when things don't break, but when things turn bleak, when the weather's anything but fair, when things shift from tranquil to tragic, we stop worshiping and we stop praying like God isn't keeping his end of the deal, like our relationship with Jesus is some business transaction. I want to remind you that there's no deal. There's no business transaction. It's a blood pact. And it's not our blood. It's Jesus's. And Jesus calls us to be thankful every day, even the day when we're beaten with rods, on the days we're thrown into prison, and on the days we're shackled to a wall. Let's keep reading and picking up in verse 29. The jailer called for the lights, and he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. 
So what we see is that with sword in hand, this jailer was ready to end his life. His circumstances were simply too much. He was living in his darkest moment by far. But Paul and Silas cried out to the jailer in the midst of the darkness, and they said, turn on the light. So the jailer turned on the light, and his darkest moment turned into his brightest day. Because when he turned on the light, what did he see? Paul and Silas were still there. So what I want to remind you this morning is that you never see clearly in the dark. Things often look bleaker than they are. Some of us are living in seasons of darkness. But like this jailer, I want to remind you that the light will shine again. And it's then that you'll realize there's hope in the dark. You just can't see it. Like this jailer, he thought they were all gone. And the moment they turned on the lights, he realized that there was hope in the dark. Christians, we have hope on our darkest of days. Don't dwell on the darkness, but turn to the light. Jailer noticed that something was different about Paul and Silas. And he asked this question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? See, the reason that Paul and Silas were partying in prison, the reason they were worshiping when others were worrying, the reason that they were praising when others were panicking was not because of the darkness around them, because there was plenty of darkness around them, but it was a light living inside of them. And they said this to the guard, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. Friends, on our darkest of days, in our deepest of prisons, on our most painful of moments, we have something worth singing about and something to be thankful for. And the answer is here. It's Jesus. Because our trials are going to come and our trials are going to go, but our Jesus, he's forever. Jesus is with me. Jesus forgives me. He's with me on my worst day. Jesus loves me. He never forsakes me. Even as I face the valley of the shadow of death, he walks beside me. When I cross into eternity, it's going to be Jesus there waiting for me as he welcomes me into heaven, a heaven that I get to live in forever because of what he did for me. See, Jesus changed my life forever. I always have something to sing about. And because of what Jesus did, no matter what happens in my life, I have a reason to be thankful when my life gives me no reason to be. We don't worship because of our circumstances. We worship because of what Jesus did, and because of that, we will always have a reason to be thankful. And that's how we can be grateful when things aren't so great. Because no matter how bad things get, we always have hope. No matter how dark the night is, we have the light of the world living inside of us. This jailer went on to ask Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. So household got saved, they were baptized, and they had a big meal together. They were definitely Baptists, like to eat. But what we see is that this prison guard who was keeping these people captive is now being set free by the people he kept as prisoners. You guys see that transformation that happened? Only Jesus can do that. But as I wrap up my message this morning, I have a piece of application I want you guys to take home and apply today. Circling back to verse 25. It says, at around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And it says the other prisoners were listening. Did you guys see it? Don't miss it. And a quick read, we can miss it. The Bible says that while they were praying and singing hymns, the Bible says that the other prisoners were listening. See, when Paul and Silas were singing when they should have been sobbing, the other prisoners were listening when they should have been sleeping. 
And when the doors blew open, the shackles burst from the wall. Not only did Paul and Silas stay nearby, but the other prisoners stayed close too. And when he asked, the jailer asked, what's different about you? That's why everyone stuck around. They were free. They could have took off running, but they didn't. Why? Because they wanted to know what the jailer wanted to know. What is so different about you? What is so different? See, when we worship Jesus, despite the circumstances around us, the world will notice. And when their circumstances break them, and when we worship despite our circumstances, they're going to ask what makes you so different. So when we worship Jesus, despite the darkness, we shine light in the midst of darkness. Let me say that again. When we worship despite the darkness, we shine light in the midst of darkness. And here's the most beautiful thing. The darker the night, the brighter Jesus shines. So if you're going through your darkest of seasons, know that Jesus is going to radiate that much more glory out of you. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, people see Jesus when we elevate Jesus. See, it was the, praise, the, pra- the, prayers and the pra- praises and prayers that broke the shackles of not only Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners who were listening. Weren't they set free too? So don't rob others of the experience of Christ. Because you're letting your circumstances dictate your praise. Because you're robbing the people around you of being set free. Be a light on a hill, a star on a dark night, party in prison, because we have something we're celebrating. And when you do, the captives around you, they'll find freedom too. Let's pray as we close. God, we're grateful for your word. God, we're grateful even for the darkest of times in our life, knowing that if we elevate Jesus, you're going to shine that much brighter. God, help us to suffer with intentionality. God, we want to lift up to you in all the seasons that we're in. May we choose gratefulness. God, I pray that we're just intentional with giving glory to you in all things. God, we're thankful that we always have a reason to be thankful. Let us choose to be thankful, realizing we don't worship you because of our circumstances. We worship you because of what you've already done on the cross. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.